was like, hi, I think her name is Kelly or something. And I was, I was like, hi, I'm Cassandra. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm Kelly. I work with the secretary. I was like, the secretary? Oh, yeah. Okay. Madam secretary. Yeah, Madam secretary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super proud of her. Yeah, super proud of her. Yeah, so it's exciting. It's exciting. I will say, coming into Mount Zion, I didn't know all of the black excellence that is here. A lot of professionals. Lots of professionals. They be stuck parking lot full of professionals. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing too, for the magnitude of the church for being able to bring all of those uh, professionals together. Because in some areas, some people don't want to be in a in a space that they could be overshadowed where I really think our members are, let's share the wealth. There's enough recognition and celebration and right. spaces to use our gifts here. And so I'm really appreciative to all of them for that. I mean, we got writers. Mm-hmm. Artists. Artists. Scientists, lawyers. Yes. <coughs> CEOs, it's, nonprofit leaders. Mm-hmm. We just got to give them the- do something that worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I will say, uh, Pastor, you do a really good job of seeing your people. Right. Which brings us into segue, Simple Church Part 4. Part 4, final episode. The final, <laughs> the final episode. Okay, so we've been on this journey with Peter. He's escaped from prison. I'm assuming they gave up looking for him. <laughs> the guards aren't looking for him anymore. Oh, so well, <laughs> I got <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, And so he and John are heading up to the temple. Where my my question with the text was like, where did John come from? You know, um, so Peter, James, and John mm-hmm. um, were always together with Jesus mm-hmm. as part of his inner circle. You know, all of them, all of them were still together. Now, some, um, you know, scattered. At least, at least initially, the the council or the or the apostles, they all stayed together, and it wasn't until um, they were scattered on purpose. I think it was God's will that they be scattered in order to push the gospel throughout the whole entire world, and so. They were always together. So this this is only Acts chapter three. So um, they just received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. So Acts chapter three, they they still mm-hmm. um, close friends, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, no buddies and stuff because they had gained that reputation mm-hmm. or they had gained that um, camaraderie by being with Jesus for three years, and then they was mm-hmm. a part of the inner circle. So if you look at the Gospels. Um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes with him Peter, James, John. When he's um, on the mountaintop, on the mountain of transfiguration, when he said his face glow was glowing, and um, the uh, Peter tried to build houses on the root on the mountaintop. He said, "No, we got to go back to the valley." Mm-hmm. It's Peter, James, and John. Um, you see when um, they. Jesus goes into the house and heals this little girl. He didn't take all the disciples with him. He took Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is very unique. What Jesus teaches us that one we must operate in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't operate by ourselves. Uh, and then two, you got to have your inner circle. So you may have a group of twelve you're working with, 
which you need at least two, <laughs> three that 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 you can lean on and depend on. And so, um, Jesus shows us that model that yeah, I'm I'm working with everybody, but I got this small group of people that are very close to me. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's really important. I think a lot of other than Jesus, well, he had his disciples, but I think everyone pretty much operated in groups, right? At least two people. Who? Um, people in the Bible. Oh yeah, so. Jesus built the model, and then, like um, in Luke ten, he sends out the disciples two by two. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it always goes back to Genesis chapter two, when Jesus God says it's not good for man to be alone, um, and that not and that is just not for relational reason for the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. It's not just for a wife and a husband, um, but I think it's for. That we all been created to be relational beings, to be there for each other in that way, and having a partner. Because you all often see through the Bible too, Ecclesiastes two is better than one, mm-hmm. um, and it just I think it's Ecclesiastes three just explains why it's important to have somebody else walking with you. Yeah, that that's really important, and you provide a lot of uh, examples about challenges that are happening within our community right. uh, where. We, Mount Zion, have created spaces for our people not to be alone. And I really like, uh, as we talked in previous conversations, about the evidence uh, and having that show up. So we're talking about the food pantry. That's evidence of God. The academic learning center, smartly in the park, school without walls. The work with the juvenile detention center, the media studio mentorship program, Anisa's therapy, a lot of this evidence of connecting with people mm-hmm. where they are and helping them get to where their purpose and desire is within God. And I think that's a testament to our church is as small, quote unquote, as it is physically with the building, our reach is just so far and wide. Right. And uh, I'm just really appreciative for, for our community to see people where they are and addressing those particular needs. Right, so um, started the year with a Simple Church, and we're going we're gonna to continue it through the whole year. Um, we're just taking this break for Black History Month. Um, you, know, you know, we got different months that are themed for different things. So we're taking that break for that. Um, but focus on prayer, preaching, which is the Word of God, uh, practicing our faith than people. Um, oftentimes, we can forget about people while we're doing the work. Um, we can forget about those who are a part of our context and then those who are part of the community, right? Um, some churches are inwardly focused, only focus on their members. Mm-hmm. Some are outwardly focused, only focus on the community. Um, and I was, um, when I first got here, I think you know, my mentality, I felt <clears throat> we were, I was outwardly focused uh, because I, that was one of the reasons I wanted to come to a city was to, um, to be able to do more community work. When I got here, it was a lot of shootings and so people were dying who didn't have church homes and so uh, we normally charge a fee. Mm. 
if you're not a member, you have to pay to use the church to mm-hmm. have a funeral. And so I was I was waiving the fee, like mm-hmm. no, they don't got to do it, or or I'll cover the fee. And then um, one of our members, her, um, one of her parents had died, and they weren't a member of the church. And we taxed her. Mm. You feel what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not taxed her, but we just charged her the fee. And then I, that right there made me say, hey, man, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? This is a faithful member of the church. You know, she's here every week serving in ministry. And her parent dies. And, uh, and, and we still charge her. And you going out of your way to help those in the community. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, that's um, where we also develop our second core value of love our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you read our core values, love our family comes before lifting the community. Because it's hard for us to lift the community and not love our family. Right. At least that's a disgrace. Because the Bible said if you don't take care of your family, you, you are worthless. Mm. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you're, and so if we are not focused, okay, we focus on people, but we just can't be externally focused on people, nor can we only be internally focused on people. We have to find the ability to focus on both, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we can focus on people internally, we want to see them grow. People externally, we want to see them come to Christ. Yes. And so if that's our goal, right, that's our intentions, that that helps us to grow as a church, both uh, internally and externally. So Acts chapter 2 and says, and they had favor with all people, mm-hmm. right? If we read Acts chapter 2 about that first church division that we want to be an Acts 2 church, we see this first church, they're doing everything together. That's the common word, together, one accord, all things in common. And then the Bible says, and they had favor with all people. So not only were they internally focused on helping their people, but they are also externally focused on helping the community where the rich and the poor depended on them. Mm. <laughs> you understand mm. what I'm saying? Uh, where, where the politician and the regular civilian depended on them, trusted them. Was that, you know? And so that's, that's the place, the goal to have Mount Zion. Mm. Uh, to be this infrastructure of the church so strong that our members know that it can depend on us um, but then also the community uh, our um, light shines so bright that they come looking for us mm. right and so um, at the beginning of this sermon though what we're trying to do we're trying to build the community life center and so I was told that I got to develop this value proposition like why should we give you money? Because I got to now try my best to get in front of donors. <laughs> yep, right. Uh, so the question is, so why why should we give you this money? And so I um, had to go back and get the statistics to look at. One, I don't want to say we're going to do something. This is why we need you to give us this building, because we're going to help children. Mm-hmm. We're going to help parents. I want to show what we're already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, needs we're already meeting, even though the numbers are discouraging, it's pitiful. <clears throat> um, it hurts to see the numbers for African American citizens in Dane County. We're the worst of every 
category. Mm. And we're the best at something that we shouldn't be, and that's incarceration. Mm-hmm. We are the fourth largest population. Oh, okay. So it's white people, Hispanics, Asians, and then African Americans. Okay. Mm. But poverty, we lead the way. Mm. Education, not getting it, not doing it right. No. That Ford exam, I'll talk about it. 91% of our students are not proficient in math and reading, mm. grades three through eight. Now they say, well, it's the test, the test is biased. Well, how are these other kids passing it? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, housing, we're the worst. Um, employment, economics, we're the worst. Um, but if we, but then, you know, we have some of the most affluent African Americans too. You mm-hmm. feel what I'm saying? So it really hurts me because I think, I think what it is, this is just my thought. Um, a lot of people on transit, right? Transplants, right? They coming mm-hmm. from other places. They coming here from different places, and um, they don't have the family support system. Um, they don't have grandma or granddaddy or cousins and family. It's just them. They're running from Chicago, Milwaukee, mm-hmm. Indiana, trying to find a place of peace and. If you look at the statistics, Madison is, you know, as far as violence, four homicides is the record for a year. Mm. Whereas Chicago, that's a day. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee, a day. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but here, four for the year is a it's an uproar, right? And so we, we see all this, and, and people are coming here trying to find that peace. And some are coming and really not knowing how to adjust to it. And think they still got to be in that survival mode from where they came from. And then the cost of living here is much more expensive mm-hmm. than any of the other cities that we called off. Um, and so people are living from couch to couch, mm-hmm. trying to make it and fall on hard times. And now they can't, can't make it at all. And then, you know, COVID just put a larger strain mm-hmm. on people. Mm-hmm. And so... Just looking at all the numbers, it's very discouraging for to be an African American and to see how we fall at the bottom of mostly everything um, in such a fluid city, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a place where where is so much help, um, but even then, though, how are these programs really helping our people and not handicapping them? Mm-hmm. Are we really teaching people how to get better, right? Or are we just um, helping them to stay in the place that they are in? And so I think um, us providing those services here, you know, our academic learning center to help close this this educational gap. You know, people don't want to call it that sometimes, but if you look at those numbers, you know, like white kids, it's 55% of them proficient and over... 20% that are, like, I think it's 20 that are above proficient. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And they're in the same school system. Mm-hmm. It's, <clears throat> to see those numbers, right? You know, that 46% of the 
prison or the jail population are African Americans. We only make up six percent of the whole population of the whole city. Mm. Had a lawyer at one of our church say, "Hey, if you um, just sit in our courts, you would think that it's a predominantly black city mm. because mm-hmm. most people there in the courtrooms are African Americans, right? Uh, we, we so so." We see the, with our kids that's still in cars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the program we're doing with that, trying to help them see that there are better ways, there are better things to do and trying to change their lives. And I appreciate the UW Athletic Department uh, for giving us the access to the football team to be able to go with us and um, be out there with us with, the, with those kids. And so um, appreciate you with this media studio and helping with the mentorship program that we're doing. So we're offering things, trying to find a better way. And uh, something else I said in the sermon, um, oftentimes for us being a church, we don't get the same grant money as these other nonprofits because they only focus on one area. Mm-hmm. Boys and girls, women, men, re-entry, mm-hmm. um, housing. Mm-hmm. Well, we had <laughs> Everybody come through our doors. Right. Right. Now, of course, we have partnerships and collaborations, um, but everybody comes to us um, in some shape or form. And so they've received these tax dollars to help and do their work where we're using dollars that have already been taxed Mm. from the generosity of our members who are willing to give to us and allow us to give it back uh, to the community. But these other programs, they, they fill out these RFPs and they, oh, we gave out $100,000. You gave out money that Dane County gave you to give out. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're really giving out the <laughs> funds that people that we're taking in from our members through tithes and offering and to be able to give it to the community. I think that I think all our churches need to be commended for that. Whereas other nonprofits, um, you know, they're doing it through the funds of the city or you know, the county or state or the federal or we do it on the backs of our members mm. that's powerful because I don't think we fully understand the the some limitations that are set on by governments but also knowing because we are doing all those things we're being quote unquote punished uh, in the sense of limiting our access to be able to do more mm-hmm. and so i think you definitely have uh, a large task in reaching out to um these different donors to believe in our whole vision not just part of the vision for mount zion right and so looking at your first point where you talk about being committed to prayer you talk about having a prayer partner and how um Peter and John are prayer partners. We've heard about that. Um, we understand it from a kind of, uh, we understand the language there, part, prayer partner. Is there an appropriate amount of prayer partners? Like, should you only have one? Is five? Do you have them for different areas, different seats, sure, different seasons, transition? But do you have like one main prayer partner and then you have like prayer groups? So you. Okay. So, um, use your discretion for that. Um, I have um, various, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for various reasons, those that I can trust. 
with um, with my flesh, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to have people that you can be honest with, and they can handle who you are when you're not in the pulpit, mm. or when you're not. Or I'm talking about me when I'm not Reverend Doctor Marcus Allen, or when I'm not dad, or when I'm not husband, right? Well, my wife is my. Oh, that's my number one, right? Mm-hmm. She's my strongest prayer partner. When I'm asleep, she praying over me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when she see me, she the one sees everything about me. Sometimes there's some stuff I can't even share with her. Mm-hmm. So I got friends uh, that I can share with them and like, hey man, I need you to pray for me. And we all have this model, yo. If I call you and say I need you to pray for me, I'm gonna pray for you right there on the spot. I'm not just gonna. Say, so, okay, I got you, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm calling, at that point, I need prayer right now. So I think it's necessary. Something that we talked about, no teams, mm-hmm. right? We should. Nobody should be trying to face life alone by themselves. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And I and I really, I really hurt um, for single individuals who are in Madison with no family during COVID. I can only imagine the mental stress that they endured, you know, being there, handling that by themselves. You know, for months, we were in the house, right? Mm-hmm. We had nowhere to go. We couldn't do anything. Um, but, you know, for us, for me, you know, I had my wife, had the kids. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how you know, someone was, you know, just totally by themselves. No social interaction. No going to church, you know. No, uh, going to movies, right? No going out to eat. Um, so I, I can only imagine that. How I wonder how that affected people. Maybe something I look into. <laughs> uh, yeah, check it out. <laughs> check it out. Mm-hmm. No, just look at the art people and see mm-hmm. how did this really affect you? Because you no know, people were by themselves, and so that would have been a great time to make sure you had a prayer partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because you have that community already. Something our our family, um, COVID pushed us to be able to. Um, every Monday night now we have prayer meeting mm. on Zoom with my family across the country. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so um, having someone to go at it with you is always it's always best. And the army taught me that. Um, when I was in basic training, um, when I went to Iraq and Afghanistan, I could never go anywhere alone. Mm-hmm. You always had to have what we called a battle buddy, somebody to be with you. Because if something happened to you and you by yourself, can't nobody tell it. Yeah. Can't nobody help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so that's why it's always important to have somebody to go with you. And it was good and to read the story and see Peter and John were together going to prayer. Mm. Right? They didn't they didn't forsake um what Jesus had taught them, nor did they forsake their Jewish traditions of praying at least three times a day. Mm-hmm. And so they went to prayer together. Right? And I think that's that's important. For us to be reminded of the same scripture in the Bible, it's not good for us to be alone. 
Yeah, I think that's that's really important. It's not good for us to be alone. <coughs> Excuse me. And also just thinking about that COVID piece, I think it'd be interesting to hear what different people did. I know being out here in Madison, I don't have biological family that is close. Right. So being home and with my job, there were we were furloughed for a bit. People were losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of on... Like, it could be me, it could right. not be me. Uh, we did let go a, a good amount of people from a variety of areas, so there was no, uh, there was no, like, uh, qualifying piece. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, okay, all interns are gone. Right. There were people that were there for 17 years, people that were there for seven months. Like, it was, it was a, it was a spectrum. Uh, so thinking about that, and I was fortunate enough to, because we were still doing virtual church, I was able to be part of this smaller church community. Mm-hmm. And so that was really helpful in um, creating this circle of, of people that were also, um, you know, going, struggling with being alone as right. well. So we were still able to, to connect. Um, but I can't say that it was easy. Mm-hmm. I can't, even though that was there and I had those people, it still wasn't. It didn't, it didn't it made it easier but it was still I was still going home alone. I was right. still spending most of my day by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you really have to reflect and you learn a lot about yourself in that space. What's a priority? Who you can actually depend upon to make sure that people are reaching out and connecting with you. So uh, I think that could be a nice space for our church to look to transition into of like you know, making sure that we have areas to make sure that community does exist and mm-hmm. people can connect and uh, looking at these prayer partners. I know that we have the deacons and the ministers that are assigned to people. Um, is there value in having the ministers and deacons of zones have prayer meetings or have connections with their mm-hmm. people as a as a community, as right. a group? And as we talked about last week, there's the um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday prayer mm-hmm. meeting or not prayer call about, yeah. um, where that that's become a community yeah, for sure. so just um, I'm not trying to put more on your plate yeah, I'm, you just, I'm just thinking out yeah, loud yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, being committed to prayer we've talked about prayer we've you know kind of tore it down and, and dissected it and thinking of uh, going into your next point of also having compassion on people uh, so we talked about, or not we talked about, the scripture talks about alms, like giving, receiving alms. What are alms? As a child, I thought they were arms. And I was <laughs> like, why are they giving limbs to people? I was just money. Oh. Uh, it's, it's just money. I don't, I don't know the, no, they had alms and denarii's and I don't know the proper amount of the mm-hmm. words. Maybe I should have did a little more research on that, but I didn't. Sorry. Uh, but it's it's just money, you know. They was just you no know, um, beggars sit at the temple, okay. and that's what they wanted. You no, know, help me with something. Okay, thanks. That was my question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so okay, so we're talking about this this mother um, bringing her son to beg for alms for money. I don't know if it was a mother. It was. Well, she brought her her son to beg. Mm-hmm. What she, dro- she dropped him off. Who? No, it, it says. Am I in a different part? Yeah, you're in a different sermon. 
no, I'm here. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I am here. Hold on. In a certain man, lame from his mother's womb. Lame from his mother's womb. Was carried. Okay. Okay. So they laid at the gate. Okay. 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 Of so the temple. The mother was there. I wasn't <laughs> wrong. I just did. I gave her too much credit. <laughs> okay. So, um, so I thought about this in two different ways okay. in my biblical imagination. I thought about this in two different ways. So, the mother, she gave birth to him, and she's like, "I want my son to be healed." So she's contracted, connected with these other people to bring her son out every day, trying to to help the situation, whatever whatever it is, because we don't we don't have a sense of what their financial situation is. We just know that. It, this man has been uh, lame since birth, mm-hmm. right? So it's that side of this is what people do. We're trying to get ourselves into a better financial situation um, to hopefully help my son get healed. This is my biblical imagination. Okay. Stop looking at me like that. Okay. <laughs> right. I like your imagination. Keep the going. The other side of it is that the mother is using her son. Mm. And the mother is sending out the son, get as much money as you can. I'm using you and people's pity on you. Because it says that the, the, or later on that he, um, the man didn't always have to say anything. Like people would just kind of give him money or he would say, or put his hand up or something like that. So my other side is like the mother's using him to, gather this money every day so that she can use it for whatever it is that she wants with no intention of putting it towards her son and i thought i you know i was like maybe if i was a minister i would turn try to turn this into a sermon of you know relationships and how they can be viewed and kind of thinking of the son is dependent upon his mother for life but yet his mother is stressing stretching that relationship and not really supporting her son in that way. That's what I thought about. Well, well, you got to look at culture. Okay. Um, mothers weren't responsible financially back then. Mm. It was often on the dads. Mm. The fathers were responsible for the financial well-being of the family. So if the mother was a widow, mm-hmm. um, it was like... Or if the son, you know, he's disabled. I think he's. I think he's been this way for almost forty years, though. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think so. But it's like now, today, if I'm disabled, I can't work. Mm-hmm. What must I do? I must depend on the government mm-hmm. to give me financial stability because my body will not allow me to work. Um. And so, they didn't have that back then, right? Mm-hmm. So his way of gaining a way to to eat, you know, we don't know where his family is, right? It doesn't say it, where his family is located. If he's all alone, or you know, mm-hmm. all we know, is some faithful people that carry him to the gate, mm-hmm. drop him off every day. Um, man, I like the way you think. <laughs> Maybe they were the ones saying, "Hey, go ahead. You know, 
we're gonna drop you off, but you gotta give us so much. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, he's left to the mercy of the generosity, or what I call in the text, compassion mm-hmm. of those who are entering the church, because the giving of alms, the giving of money to 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 people, the act of charity mm-hmm. was a part of Jewish tradition, um, and, and so maybe um, someone was using him someone was saying hey go do it or someone was just saying hey we need you or he was just, or he was just I need to feed myself mm-hmm. need to eat need to you know, have some place to stay you know what I'm saying um, but somebody if, we, you know, if I had time to really dive into it we ought to be grateful for the ones who just carried him to the gate mm-hmm and a lot of us can testify you know some places we've gone is because somebody carried us there Ooh. right yes. so some, somebody helped us to get to where we needed to be every day or or at particular places in our lives um, so that we can just get what we need they didn't have it right mm-hmm. they didn't have the money to give us they didn't have the substance to give us to sustain us all they could do was take us to where we can get our help from. Mm-hmm. Don't make me shout. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Uh, <laughs> and so they, they, that's all they were able to do is just carry him and drop him off at the gate. Mm. And and I think they need to be commended uh, for helping this disabled man who was unable to take care of himself, unable to walk. Um, and so we, we, just, we don't know um, where his mom or anything were at this time but all we know he was been lame since birth mm-hmm. and maybe maybe mom said hey I don't want to raise a child that has disability yeah you know what I mean I met maybe or maybe mom passed away trying to find ways to mm-hmm. raise him and dad gone you know what I'm saying so we just don't know um, but it's, it's a good look into the text though yeah yeah I think that's the the unique part about the Bible is that it allows for it's, it allows for you to create a scenario that puts you in that place. Make it relatable. Making it relatable. Because mm-hmm. there are times when it does identify people specifically, like this is a rich man. Right. You know. Um, but the fact that we don't have a backstory of this lame man other than, you know, how he was brought into this world. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many people carried him. Right. We, you know, was is this the only church they brought him to? Was there another church? And the church before was like, you got to stop coming here. Right. And so we had to find another place. You know, so all of these pieces just kind of coming together. But, yeah, I like to I like to paint a picture. That's what's up. Uh, and, yeah, the, relying on people's compassion, I think, has a... The Bible talks about begging a lot uh, or mentions it in a lot of places talking about people who are begging and you've definitely said you're you are not too proud to beg. I, I ain't too proud to you ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> <laughs> and and i i recognize that a lot of people are yeah. and i i think this is big five letter word called pride mm-hmm. that gets in the way of begging so what is it that you feel how you've been able to separate the pride for yourself from the begging and the need for help. The need? Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. 
if I need it and I can't get it on my own, I, I'm not I'm not ashamed to ask somebody else for it. Mm. Now they may not give it to me, but if it's a need that I that I know I can't meet that need by my own gifts or my own financial ability, you know, I'm 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 not afraid to ask for mm-hmm. it. And um, now I can say no. I had went to Iraq back in 2002, three, 2003, 2004. And while you're in Iraq, you don't pay taxes. You don't have to pay taxes. And um, so, and then, then you get combat pay and all this type of stuff. And, you don't, and then you don't have nothing to pay for while you're over there. That's beautiful. Right. And so, you know, I came back with a little, little change on what... 20, 20 years old, uh-huh. got a couple thousand dollars in the bank, blow through all of it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got every hat. Just back in the day when you had jerseys, when everybody wearing jerseys oh, and stuff. Oh, okay. So, I, oh, 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 03, oh, 04. So you got I, the authentic jerseys. Yes. One fifty, two hundred dollars mm. for jerseys, Mitchell and Ness, you know? <laughs> yep. So, out there, and I got a um, barracks room, so it's like a dorm room. Got hats all on the wall, new shoes, run out of money. And then the army was like, hey, um, while you was in Iraq, we gave you money for food. But when you came back, we forgot to stop giving you that money. So let us get that money back. Mm. Um, And then they don't take it back in the same manner in which they gave it. They mean? gave it to me over months, mm-hmm. but they took it all back in one oh. lump sum. Okay. So they took the money back, <laughs> and I and I and I received uh, a check stub that said no pay due. Ooh. Right. Um, and so I had to really humble myself. Mm-hmm. Call my mama. <laughs> Say yo, I need you to pay my car note and my insurance. I was living in the Bears. That's mm-hmm. the only bill I had. And Did I have a cell phone then? Yeah, I had a cell phone. A little small bills, right? So, mm-hmm. But I had no money. And uh, But that moment taught me or that feeling that I had then, I was like, yo, I never want to feel like this again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost... 18 years ago, I was like, yo, I never want to be in this place where I cannot support myself. Yeah. Um, so it taught me to save. Um, it taught me to watch my spending. Um, and, and and so financially, I haven't been in that place uh, <laughs> where, where I had to beg because of that position. But now, sometimes we don't... Li- look at emotional needs and and sometimes so I've had to learn how to um, honor my emotions and not be ashamed of that mm-hmm. of how I'm feeling with people because because um, I normally hold it in and like oh, whatever you know and so and not begging for people to treat you right but acknowledging it Mm. You know what I'm saying, and, and so that, that that's what that's what no. Um, so if I never I never been in that 
place financially where I needed to beg for something, but emotionally sometimes you're like, yo, I need this love or I need care or I need prayer, you know, mm-hmm. because um, being a pastor, people think, oh, you need prayer? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like you, Bucko. Uh, Not Bucko. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, just being able to ask for that stuff, and, and I, I'm 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 in a place where I'm comfortable now, where I don't gotta say I don't feel some type of way because I asked somebody for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I asked a donor for money. I was super nervous, right? Um, so I gave, brought him to the church, gave him a tour of the church, told him all the programs we were doing and what we was planning to do. I'm like, yo, we're trying to pay this mortgage off. Can you help us? It was like, nah. I was like, dang. <laughs> it was like, nah. And, 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 and what you're trying to do is uh, it's too much. You, you, you probably won't be able to do all of that. And everything I told us, and this was early 2020. Oh. And everything I said we were going to do, we did it. We did it. And we paid our mortgage off. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, no, I, I no, I don't know, coming up, and my pastor back home, if he knew, he's like, yo, the church, if the church can't make it off tithes and offering, we don't need nothing. But it's a different age. It's a different it time. People it don't is. give to the church like they used to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we're going to be impactful in our community, we need grant funding. Yes. Uh, we need foundations to give us money so that we can be able to do more work and expand our reach. And and so, so I was under that mindset, like, yo, I never ask people for nothing. And uh, but, but God turned that thing around. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two years, people been calling us, say, hey, you need to apply for this. Mm-hmm. Or hey, just fill out this application, and then we get the money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you've been a witness to it. <laughs> I have. These this room that we are in is a witness, a testament, the evidence. Evidence. No, we don't even. No, we, it's not that we're going out seeking, seeking anything. It's just like yo, it, it happened. That's amazing. The power of of seeing people and that acknowledgement part of it's it's what we're trying to do and and being vulnerable in that space like i've done almost like i've done what i could mm-hmm. i need a little bit help it's a little bit more help to get me right. to where i need to be right and we, we're just looking at this text we see how compassionate um peter and john but no peter is the main speaker here um we see our compassion on this man. One, you know, just something I just continue to uh, talk about throughout this sermon is they just looked at him. And we know, we go to the gas station or stop at a stoplight, we see somebody asking for money. If we don't want to give them something, at least I'm going to say, can't speak for everybody. If I don't want to give them something, I'm not going to look at them. Mm-hmm. Because if I look at them, that means I acknowledge where they are, mm-hmm. right? And if I acknowledge where they are, if I have something, I should be able to give it to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a eyes front. <laughs> or, you know, look the other way, look check the other for way. traffic. Yep, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or walking to the gas station, and, hey, can you give me something when you come out? And you're like, huh? <laughs> huh? Yeah. 
Get how you can hear. <laughs> so we so it's just um so looking at Peter and John, they said they looked the Bible said looking at they looked at him. They acknowledged him. Right, they acknowledged where he was, looking at people for where they are, right? And um and, and that's what that's all some people want, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people they may want uh money, but they still want you to look at them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the young girl that's teenager and is pregnant, she wants somebody to look at her. The young man who who is also, you know, trying to figure out how to manage life with now having a new baby coming in the world. Mm-hmm. They want somebody to look at them, right? Um, that the, the drug addict or the, the spouse that's been abused, they want somebody to really look at them, to have passion on them, show compassion on them. And so um, that, that's um, that, that's 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 the tool to helping people is seeing them where they are and looking at them, and not just saying always wanting to just give a dollar. Mm-hmm. At least acknowledge, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I'm praying for you. You know what I'm saying? Something mm-hmm. that simple can help motivate or even change your life. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. I can speak for myself. I think they're. It's not that I don't want to acknowledge them. It's that I feel that if I do, I now have to give something up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to do that because I, I now feel guilty. Right. That I'm in my warm car mm-hmm. and you are outside asking for help. I saw a lost wallet sign the other day. I was like, wow. I couldn't imagine like you just, just lost your wallet. You don't know where you left it. Right. If someone stole it, that may have been all of, like your ID, whatever possessions that you had could have been there. And I, I'm not saying I'm not great. I'm, I'm by no means anywhere close to being good at that. Uh, but I would I would rather want if I'm gonna acknowledge you, I want to give you what you mm-hmm. need, not what I not what I think you need or you know. I don't know. I've definitely asked people. One time I asked someone, I was like, hey, they were sitting outside like a McDonald's. Okay. And I said, uh, hey, do you want you want some food? They're like, no, I'd rather have money. And I was like, but do you want to eat? No. If you, I'd rather you give me money. <laughs> I said, well, I only have food money for mm-hmm. you. So, you know, you just, I don't know. Yeah, every circumstance is different, right? Yeah. And uh, and then it's based off you know, okay, um, I don't want to give you money, but let me give you what you what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. If you say if you're saying I'm hungry, yeah, I need money for food. If I say hey, let me buy you some food, and you're like, no, I don't want food. I just want money. You're not hungry, right? <laughs> so so <laughs> I tried. God mm-hmm. bless you. And maybe somebody else will come by and give you what you want because right now I'm trying to offer you what you need. Mm-hmm. Right, and so even when with helping people is a difficult task. Yes. Right, because it seems that the, the very ones you're trying to help are the ones that hurt you the most. Say that again. Yeah, yeah. Shucks. Um, I've seen it. I've experienced it. You know, you see it all on social media. You know, some people are just kind-hearted. Some people, you know, do it for the glitz and glamour or for the fame. You know, but the very ones that you to help be the ones that turn around and 
talk about you mm-hmm. I mean, or or say oh they didn't do this for me when we didn't did it for so many other people so what made you different mm-hmm. what did you do different even like last there was a lot yeah last year 2020 or 2021 last year huh? mm-hmm. jesus and 2020 um no we gave out gift cards and food pantry and we was giving out uh we were paying bills mm-hmm. and it was it was bumping i'm talking about i think we probably had at least two to three hundred people Ooh. come through our food pantry mm-hmm. and it was supposed to start at four o'clock but i know me being a service member i got here early <laughs> At like 2.30, the line was from the food pantry wrapped all the way back around almost to the church. Then this at the the start of COVID. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yo, I can't have all these people standing out here because if they get COVID, they're going to blame Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. So we started giving out food, giving out gift cards, paying people bills. And then we ran out of money Mm -hmm. and we ran out of gift cards. And... This lady came cussing, mm. mad, told me I'm lucky. Well, she not, we not in Chicago. Oh. Yeah. It, 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 and I'm like, yo, I'm just here to help you, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to help you. I'm trying to give you the best that we have. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but they, <laughs> but it was, it, it was crazy. It, it, it was crazy, you know, the anger. Um, for trying to help somebody mm-hmm. that that comes from that, you know, you know, I, you know, it it is it, is so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But we don't do it for that. No, I could have been like, no, nah, I'm done. Yeah, we we're not helping anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, even like, you know, try to help someone with rental system one time, and then they come right back texting me negative stuff, you know, mm-hmm. talking about me and everything. I'm like, what in the world, bro? I just helped you. <laughs> You came to us, you know what I'm yeah. saying, and and I'm helping you, and then now you want to be disrespectful to me. Yeah. Mm-mm. So, so that that stuff is hurtful, and you no know, people don't see it, um, but you still have to know. I'm still going to be compassionate. I'm still going to be who I am, mm-hmm. no matter who you are and how you feel about who I am. I'm still going to be me, and still try to help those who are in need, yeah. and that's what we see, Peter. Peter and John here, they, they, I think the most important thing here is they acknowledged the man. They looked mm-hmm. at him, right? They, they acknowledged him that he was in a place lower than them, but their goal was not to push him down, mm-hmm. but to lift him up. Yeah. Yeah. I almost don't want to talk about our third point because I feel like we could just end it there. <laughs> But <laughs> well, I, let me quickly hit that one, Dan. Okay, okay, yeah, hit, so, hit, hit so, the, so, the power source. The power, yeah, they was connected to the right power. So he says, "In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk." He said, "Yo, silver and gold have I not?" No, he said, "Look at us, right? Like we just two broke preachers." How about, so, so thinking about you say, "Look at us." Yeah. I wonder what they was how how dusty you know what I'm Peter was. Like, yo, bro. John probably got some like branches and stuff in his hair, broken sandal. Right, right. Like, look at us, bro. We just two broke preachers. Two broke preachers. That's a, 
so, and you asking us for something, we should be asking you. Right. <laughs> and um, so people are like, yeah, look at us. Um, silver and gold, we don't have what such as we have, we give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Mm-hmm. I love it because Peter ensures that the people hear what name mm-hmm. he calls. Not Jesus from Samaria. Not Jesus uh, from Jerusalem. But Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Knowing um, that he was proclaiming the name of the one in which they crucified. Mm-hmm. The intentionality of Peter here is very clear that he was trying to prove to them. And we're going to see in chapter 4 how he tells them that it was only because of the name of Jesus that the man was healed. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to see in chapter 5, he they go into jail. Again? You know what I'm saying? For what? Doing work in Jesus' name. So Peter was intentional mm. about saying, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And then the Bible said, and the man jumps on his feet, leaping and praising God. Peter reached down and he lifts him up. And I think I say in the sermon, the only time you should look down on someone is when you're picking them up. Mm-hmm. He lifts them up and bring them to his level and allow the man to stand on his own two feet. And then we see this man. He does not run home. He does not run to the bar. He does not run uh, to the neighborhood park. He goes into the church. Mm-hmm. According to the Levitical law, the Mosaic law, if you were crippled, you couldn't even come into worship. Mm-hmm. And all this time, he's been on the outside of church. That's a testament to this man, too. Mm-hmm. You've watched people go praise the God that has allowed you to sit there. <laughs> oh my. You, you've watched the people honor and glorify and go in the building praising the God that, allowed, that has not healed you. But it, when you get your healing, you praise the same God. Mm. Right? And, and, and people often don't want to praise God because of some position that they are in. Yeah. But if you're in the position and you're still alive, God is still holding. God is still there. God is still omnipotent. Yes. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so even though this man was at the gate of the church, of the synagogue, even though he was there um, for many years, after he received his healing, he goes into the church. Mm. What a wonderful feeling that he's now been able to be in the presence of God inside of the building. Mm-hmm. He's now able to experience what others have been experiencing for many years. All he's seen, people coming out, people going in, probably going in one way, looking sad, coming out full of joy, mm-hmm. going in depressed, come out feeling uh, inspired. You know what I'm saying? But you're in the same shape, the same position year after year. But now you get to go in. Yeah, and he doesn't go in just quietly, neither, and sitting in the back. When he goes in, everybody knows he's there. <laughs> I think that that's just an amazing visual. Like you just said, people are going in sad, coming out happy, or whatever they left their burden and right. and they're relieved of that. But he's going in joyful. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's also a very interesting. Right. Uh, just imagining like the inside of maybe how like quiet it is, probably mm-hmm. a little bit hollow, it's right. darkly lit. And he's in here like, look at what God did for me. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Look at Leaping. Leaping. Praising God. But, and then, then people are like, oh, that's homeboy. Yeah, that's homeboy. That was no, no. How we do at church, <laughs> girl? Look, that's home. That's dude that was outside. He been begging all this time. Now he inside the building. Oh, he cute. <laughs> that's homeboy. You you feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's what everybody was like. So they they were astonished mm. because all they know him is by his condition mm. of being laid at the gate, and now he's overcome that. And they have to redefine how they know him. Right. And then we you know you go to chapter four and you see Peter in jail and they're standing in front of the Sanhedrin council and it's like, uh, um, what happened? And Peter just points. You know him. Mm-hmm. I'm Sanhedrin council is 70 religious leaders. All I'm pretty sure attended that church and walked past that man. Like y'all know that's him. He was seated wow. at the gate, and he was able to now stand because of the name of Jesus. Anybody that's listening to this, I want to give you hope that whatever you're going through, God, Jesus' name has the power to lift you no longer, no matter how long you've been down. No matter the hurt, no matter the pain, he's able to lift you. You just got to be willing to do something you've never been done before, never done before in order to receive something you've never had. Mm. That's what that man had to do. Stand. That's it. What did you think about that, CT? I think this was a good one. This was a good one. Thank you, Pastor, again, for taking this deeper dive. Um, just peeling back more about what's going on in the scripture, learning about, you know, the details of of what Peter's doing in the life of this man and right. change that happens in Jesus' name. As previous episodes i'm your host cassandra thorpe happy to have you here please be on the lookout for more uh podcasts coming from mount zion baptist church we are live now (laughs) and so we're really excited to continue to have you interact with us here have a wonderful day stay marvelous fabulous and blessed Peace. peace